churches are taking this seriously, being the hands and feet of Jesus. We walked in one room, or my team did, and uh, there were four 20-somethings on the phone with computers. They had developed a spreadsheet. They had already placed refugees. They were getting 100 refugees a day just at that one church. They had already processed 1,000 over the past few days. And they had already tapped out every family in the church. So now they were going back to every family in the church. Who do you know that's a Christian, they're believers, and they may not have taken in a family. Give us their number, give us their name, we'll call them. That's how it was working. And there were refugee families there in the church, the fellowship hall, in the hallways, and uh, they've got supplies, clothes, food, that kind of thing. And some of them would be spending the night there, but they were managing to place a hundred a day. That's just how God's people are being good Samaritans. You know, and, and that's a powerful idea because how many of us would be comfortable with that? You know how, how just life works in America? Yeah. Would our churches be yeah. a place where we would welcome, every member of the church would welcome a refugee family in? It's hard to even comprehend, isn't it? Brian, I think it would strengthen our faith if something were, let's face it, we're just cushy Christians in North America. You know what we're about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones, the ones that make you feel uncomfortable, that's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle, I'm Brian. And if you don't want to miss anything, just hit that subscribe button. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. Well, it's truly a privilege to have with us Charles Morris. Welcome back to the show, my friend. It's good to be with you both. And uh, thanks for having me on. We can talk the war. We can talk the refugees. We certainly need to talk about the faith aspects. Your choice. I'm in Krakow, Poland, which is the second largest city in Poland, but it's also the closest city in Poland to the border with Ukraine. Okay. Okay. So let's kind of paint the picture here. You see the war in Ukraine erupting, and you, Charles Morris, say, ooh, let's go there. Why would you do that? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm not sitting in Kiev. I'm not sitting in a city that's being bombed. I'm in a NATO country right now, and it's pretty safe here. Um, I'm actually staying at the hotel where most of the aid agencies are. Most notably, the Christian agency, uh, Samaritan's Purse, would be staying at us. We're the only Christian media that I know that's here. But um, we've been to the border. Just what was that like, Charles? Like the, the, the very first time you, you went to the border of, of Ukraine and Poland, paint the picture for us. What did you see? What uh, was it like? Well, uh, the first time was a small border crossing. There are nine between Poland and Ukraine. Only people driving across, not trains. People had been waiting anywhere from uh, six hours, eight hours, to a couple of days at that border. So they're coming across. Many of them hadn't had anything to eat or anything to drink. And on the Polish side of the border, along with the Christians that were there doing things, you had just 
all these people, like like the guy from um, Berlin who brought his son and his daughter, and he brought 1,200 uh, uh, German sausages, uh, bratwurst and bread and mustard, German mustard, and uh, he brought his barbecue grill from his house and huh. and a couple of those heaters that restaurants use outdoors. And here he was, just these people who haven't eaten anything, they come across, and the first thing they do is they smell a bratwurst, and he's offering them a free bratwurst, wow. uh, warming tents erected, and just... Polish people have brought diapers and baby food and bottles of water and people are cooking hot soup and it, it, it's incredible to see the good Samaritans that are at work there at a time like that. What was that it, border crossing like for like in terms of the, the Polish authorities? Were they just like open up the gates and waving people in? Were you were they processed by no, the government? How no, does that work? No, they they are registering. That's why it's taking them so long. And um, and if you don't have all the right paperwork, it takes longer. Uh, I don't know of anybody if they're missing some of their paperwork if they had to flee and and they couldn't find all their paperwork in time. I don't know anybody that's being refused entry. It's just taking longer for some people if they don't have all the right paperwork. I mean, it is kind of incredible, even the little kids. The, the one thing I should mention, though, and probably most of your listeners have heard this before already, but um, it's the women and children who are coming for the most part yeah. because men 18 to 60 have to stay. And when you meet these moms and you start talking to them, they're filled, there's just resolve in their face, there's fortitude in their voice. Some of them speak English. We had Sergei Rakuba, who you may have had on the last day or two, that's who we're raising money for, Mission Eurasia out of Wheaton. He was doing translating for us and my team. And so they're fine until you say, who did you have to leave behind? Uh-huh. And the moment you say, who did you have to leave behind? That's when the face changes. And some of them will just start sobbing because yeah. they didn't just say goodbye. They said goodbye, maybe for the final time to husbands, to older sons, to grandfathers. And while they wanted to get the family out, the fathers wanted them to get away and get out of harm's way. You've still got this war going on, and that's just the hardest thing to take. But um, yeah. Western Europe is just pouring out. I, I, I was at, just a little while ago, I was at Krakow Glowny, just a few blocks from our hotel in Center City, Krakow. That's the main train station. And uh, I would say, put it in the thousands. I've been trying to get an exact number, but I would say thousands of refugees are pouring through this train station, uh, more than Warsaw, and then they're dispersing. If you want to, if you can get to a train station in Ukraine where a train's still running, there's no ticket, there's no charge. They just pile you onto the cars. This is a lot like World War II. You mentioned the moms and children and then thousands. How are they figuring out housing? Like, where are they staying? Uh, That is the tough thing. Let me give you one instance of how it's being addressed. And, of course, uh, I'm in Krakow. Uh, Catholic Charities is huge. I'm connecting with the evangelical Protestant ministries, but Krakow was where Pope John Paul II's historic diocese was located, Mm. Krakow, and Catholic Charities is doing an amazing job here. But let me give you an example in answer to question, Janelle. 
in Warsaw. I was at a church three nights ago, I guess now, and um, it was the first Baptist church of Warsaw downtown. 80% of Warsaw was bombed in World War II and had to be totally rebuilt. So it's much more modern looking than Krakow, where I am now, much more medieval here. But um, I was at First Baptist Church, Warsaw, and that is also the location of the Ukrainian Bible Church of Warsaw, which all of a sudden went from 200 to 400 members. Churches are taking this seriously, being the hands and feet of Jesus. We walked in one room, or my team did, and uh, there were four 20-somethings on the phone with computers. They had developed a spreadsheet. They had already placed refugees. They were getting 100 refugees a day just at that one church. They had already processed 1,000 over the past few days. And they had already tapped out every family in the church. So now they were going back to every family in the church. Who do you know that's a Christian, they're believers, and they may not have taken in a family? Give us their number. Give us their name. We'll call them. That's how it was working. And there were refugee families there in the church, the fellowship hall, in the hallways, and uh, they've got supplies, clothes, food, that kind of thing. And some of them would be spending the night there, but they were managing to place a hundred a day. That's just how God's people are being good Samaritans. You know, and and that's a powerful idea because how many of us would be comfortable with that? You know how how just life works in America? Yeah. Would our churches be a place where we would welcome, every member of the church would welcome a refugee family in? It's hard to even comprehend, isn't it? Brian, I think it would strengthen our faith if something were, let's face it, we're just cushy Christians in North America, whether you're on the West Coast like I am, or you're in Cleveland, or, or some other part of Ohio, or a little bit of Pennsylvania. It's easy to send funds, and I'm not, believe me, I'm asking people on the air to pray boldly and give boldly, but the hard thing is, like, like for instance, the guy who drove us the first time to the border works for Mission Eurasia, and he, because he works for them and he's got eight kids, some of whom are orphans that he's adopted, he was able to come across, and not all of his kids some of them are fighting in the army, but he came across bringing his family. He is helping out all the time with the relief effort. But um, he and his wife and their kids that did make it come out with him are staying at a three-room apartment with another Polish family. There's 11 people living in that apartment. I mean, maybe inner city Cleveland, there might be a little bit of that, but you know, certainly not suburban area. I mean, we're not used to that. We like our luxuries in the United States. And I I, I think it's a growing time of faith for them. And I'll tell you something else that's kind of interesting. I've had Poles, I've had Dutch, I've had English, but what's really strange is I've had Germans. Germans don't like to talk about World War II. I've had even Germans talk to me and make the comparison between Putin and Hitler. And, uh, I took our team a couple of afternoons ago. We took three hours, the largest and the most efficient, if you could call a death camp, that concentration camp of Nazi Germany is just outside Krakow. It's Auschwitz. 
And we did the tour. And, you know, if you've ever been through one of those things, I've been through Dachau and north of Munich before. It leaves you totally emotionally drained when you see what happened in World War II. The woman who led us through in English, I said, how are you doing? And how do you even do this job? And she said, uh, I've worked here 45 years giving tours, and it was really hard. And I said, what about right now? And she just dropped her head. And she said, never more, never more. Now we have Ukraine. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Those are exact words. The day before, she had driven to the border, waited eight hours for her own relatives who had taken three days to drive from Kiev, the capital. And she got them, picked them up, and she is providing housing for I don't know how close they were relatives, but she's taking them in right now. And they're comparing this to World War II. Hey, it's Brian. If you've been a faithful listener to this podcast, we're just super grateful for you. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in our journey to follow Jesus a little more closely every day. But I got to remind you about something. We're listener-supported. We're a ministry of Moody Radio in Cleveland, and it's donations from people who listen to us, just like you, that allow us to keep making episodes. We need your financial support. Would you consider a donation to this ministry? A gift of any amount will make a huge difference. If you want to donate, we'd be so grateful. Just go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Thanks. Charles, what's the one story you think you'll hold in your heart the most from this experience so far? Well, I, you get fatigue if you've been in an area like this before. I guess the uh, hardest thing was the woman who had already evacuated in the 2014 war. Uh, she's in the, grew up in the same town where Sergei Rakuba from Mission Eurasia is from. And uh, she had to evacuate once in her life, was able to go back. And then now she's had to leave her husband. She's had to leave an older son. And she's having to evacuate with the younger children. And it's just this concept of I may never see those I love again to say goodbye as those who stay behind and fight for freedom. And it looks impossible, of course, but, you know, Everybody's been surprised. There's there's an intelligence briefing here every day by the 82nd U.S. Airborne. And, you know, these military guys, they, they call people like us or people like Samaritan's Purse, they call us do-gooders. Do they? <laughs> they do, they do. But they give the, uh, the intelligence briefing every day. And uh, they're just astounded that Ukraine has been able to hold on this long. A guy from um, Canada walked up to me at the train station uh, just a little while ago and he flew over from Canada uh, to fight even though he's got an, a torn Achilles tendon and he's got uh, uh, I said oh were you in the Canadian army no I've never fought in my life but I came over here to fight it's just people want to do something people want to be able to help yeah. uh, we've run into veterans from the United States that have just flown in and are planning to go in. They're volunteering for this version of the Foreign Legion. Wow. Uh, and and 
you know, how this is happening. Uh, And of course, then you get the tragedy. Russians who are outside are even upset. Thousands of Russians have been arrested in Russia for protesting against Putin's war. And then Ukrainians who've made it out, they're so upset because they call on the phone and they talk to their own relatives in Russia who are denying the invasion. They're believing this lie that it's a neo-Nazi system that has taken over Ukraine and needs to be thwarted because that's what's being peddled by TASS and by the Russian media, RT and others. It's just crazy what's going on right now. Charles, I, I've, I've got to ask this, because you, you've spent so many years, not only as, as a reporter before you went into Christian ministry, but, but you do ministry in the United States, right? So you interact yes. with, the, with the Christian church in America, the uniqueness of the American church. If you could take all of us from Northeast Ohio kind of un, under your wing and bring us to where you are right now, what would we learn about Jesus seeing what's happening where you are? Well, I, I, I think if I were able to take you on a tour of Dachau and then take you to the train station where I just was, where thousands of people have spread out blankets for children and they're eating and they're staying there and they're trying to figure out where they're going next. I think your faith would be infused and you would be a whole new person. And, and what we're doing on the air this week is we're asking people, I already said this, to pray boldly, give boldly. That's the main thing. In the history of the Church of Jesus Christ, we have been taught, and this is biblical, Christ died, Christ rose, Christ returns. There's a fourth thing that needs to be inserted there. Christ died, Christ rose, Christ reigns. Present tense, Christ returns. That's something that we haven't emphasized enough. And so if Daniel could pray boldly, if the Apostle Paul could pray boldly, if even Jesus could pray boldly, why can't we in Northeast Ohio pray boldly? We can even start, like the rabbi uh, of Kiev asked for Christians to pray with him, Psalm 31. That's a psalm that Christ quoted on the cross. Mm -hmm. Lord, send this army back. And then we can pray for the refugees. We can pray for those in the bombed out cities that don't have any water, electricity, or food and haven't for days. We could pray for even the Russians, the Russian soldiers who've laid down their weapons or punched holes in the gas tanks of their armored vehicles because they didn't want to be there doing this fight. The ones that have been told, you're just going out for drills. And, and, and then here they are expected to be uh, shooting and, and, and bombing uh, children, you know, hospitals, schools, and uh, pray boldly because we, we, we serve a big God. And if we really believe that, we need to be praying boldly right now. And then the give boldly. And in the case of my ministry, we're not a humanitarian aid ministry, but in 88 years of ministry, when we've helped another ministry, and I have a little checklist I follow of who's on the ground, who's reputable, who's actually going to get the job done, we never take a handling fee. And that's why on our program, we're saying just send it to us, but it's all going to um, Mission Eurasia. In fact, last night I was with Edward Graham, Billy's 
grandson who's, I guess he's the number two or three guy with Samaritan's Purse, and I was with their leadership who's on the ground here and staying at the same hotel as us, and and they're even giving money mm-hmm. to Mission Eurasia. So I went, and they're just, I was just downstairs a few minutes ago talking to their team. Their field hospital is actually in Western Ukraine. It'll be up and running, uh, hopefully, uh, maybe tomorrow, because doctors, nurses, people, I was just chatting with them uh, before, a little before we went on the air. And and God's people are making a difference. Uh, and But it's all going to start, I think, with bold praying. And being good Samaritans, there can be non-Christian good Samaritans, and there are. But just think of the Lord using us who are believers as good Samaritans. I'm not suggesting that all your listeners jump on a plane and try to come over here right now. And don't ship baby food or diapers. You know, there's enough of that over here already. Food is needed. Housing is needed. Uh, All of the housing, I think, will be taken care of. Western Europe is opening up. Uh, They're taking people in. The churches, small evangelical churches, only 0.2% of the population in Poland is evangelical Christian. And when I walked into a church, uh, that one a couple days ago was a Presbyterian church. There are only four Presbyterian churches, real Presbyterian churches in all of Poland. And it was just packed. I mean, there were like 70 people in the building only hold 12, you know? (laughs) That's what God's people are doing right now, whether it's a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church or a Ukrainian Bible church. God's people are making a difference. We can make a difference as American Christians as well. Thank you, Charles Morris from Haven Today. Charles, it's been so helpful to hear what the Lord's doing. Uh, And if folks want to pray boldly and give boldly, as you're indicating, how can they connect to your ministry to do so? Haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And uh, not a dime for Haven. Every dollar for Ukraine goes to Ukraine. We're wiring the money through, and and it'll, it'll be there. And uh, already food is being distributed right now to those who are displaced. Charles, thanks for for doing what you're doing, man. It helps us better understand what's really going on in the hearts and minds of people in that area. So God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Good to be with you guys and bless you too. Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So go ahead, look down, hit that button right there and subscribe and you'll get updated episodes and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us out. How? A five-star rating. Hello. You can also hang with us live weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Download the Moody Radio mobile app and you're able to connect with us. Or just go to brianandjanelle.org. And listen, we didn't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, Alan Perry, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. 